Open please in the scriptures to uh, Luke, the 16th chapter. We've been looking at these scriptures in previous times in Luke 16 and verse 10. Jesus said, he that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that's unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now this will have been the second time he mentioned mammon in this passage. And he's going to mention it again. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? So mammon is riches but not true riches. Twelve, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, or hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now mammon is money and things personified. It's like money with a capital M. And money as a God. You can't serve God, the one living true God, and the God of money. And when he said that, verse 14, the Pharisees who were covetous, they heard these things and it upset them. And they spoke derisively back to him and concerning what he had said. Ah, what's he say? What does he know? And the reason it bothered him is because it applied to him. And that's a good thing to remember. The thing that rubs you the wrong way (laughs) is the thing to really look at. They derided him. In verse 15, he said, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. If you back up to the 12th chapter, just a few chapters before, he had already said this, Luke 12 and 15. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, take heed, watch out, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Covetousness, as we've already gone over, is wanting something too much. It's wanting something more than you want God. Colossians 3.5 says covetousness is idolatry. It's, it's the same thing spiritually as praying to a rock instead of God. Because it is something that has too much of your heart, too much of your mind. How many remember Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And uh, folks like to come to church and say hallelujah and imagine that none of that applies to me. But the truth is, covetousness is a huge problem in the church, amongst the ministers and everybody. Are y'all with me? And you don't want to assume, oh, I don't have any problems with it. Don't assume that. I assure you, everybody in here, I'd say like this, it'd be very hard to find. (laughs) 
Anybody in here or in Branson or watching by the internet that has not been covetous about something sometime. But in order for you and I to qualify, how many like that word? For what God has for us and would do for us and with us and through us now and in the near future. We've got to get rid of this devilish stuff. Get it out of our lives, out of our hearts and our minds. And it's not something you're just going to wave your hand over in 30 minutes and be done with it. It's something you got to believe him. And when he puts his finger on it and shows it to you, you got to take action. It's nothing short of dying to some things. And if you've been around us any length of time, you know we are not a poverty-preaching, believing church. We believe that God is a good God, a big God, and he will bless you with the best. And you can have nice stuff, and you can live a very nice, comfortable life. But it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of it. And you can love money and not have a dime. Y'all with me, friends? Go to 2 Corinthians, please. The second chapter. And the 11th verse. 2 Corinthians 2.11, he said, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Does the devil have devices? Is there a devil? There is. Another word for Satan is the word adversary. He's the one who's against you. You got an enemy. You got somebody that is against you that's out to hurt you. And sometimes people don't know. They don't even like to think about that. They, oh, I don't like devil, demons. That's, I don't want to talk about all that stuff. People get in the niche on one side or the other. They either act like it doesn't exist or that's, they talk about it too much and they're afraid of the devil. But no, the child of God doesn't have to be afraid of the devil at all. But you do need to know that you got an adversary that's against you and he's trying to do things against you. And here we see a scenario in which the adversary would have an advantage. I don't want the devil having an advantage over me or in my life. How would it, what would it be through? It's through his devices. And what we said last week is The Spirit of God is uncovering the devil's character and the way he operates for us. I've seen some things I've never seen before. Phyllis and I were talking about it a couple of days ago. I'm so excited about it. It should have been obvious to us, but it's like so many things. The enemy is doing his best to keep everything about him in the dark. So because he can work so much better when people are oblivious and ignorant of it. But said out loud, we are not not ignorant ignorant of his devices. devices. We'll skip on down to the 11th chapter of this same book. All this flows together. The 11th chapter, and you begin to see how he operates. 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. He said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. 
So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The devil is deceiving people and tripping people up today exactly the way he did Eve. Way back there. He's operating the same way and he doesn't need to change because it's working. But if we find out what happened with her and how that worked, then we can be not ignorant of his device and forearmed and warned and not fall prey to his device. Throughout the rest of this chapter right here, he describes the devil's nature and how he operates. He did this with Eve. He said, uh, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. If we come, he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or you receive another spirit whom you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. Though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, we've been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? That means without charge. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. Now don't misunderstand. He didn't hold a gun to them. But he's making an emphasis here and keep in mind what he started talking about at the start of the chapter about the subtlety of the enemy. He said, uh, verse 9, when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I've kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man will stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. What's he talking about? Nobody paid his bills while he was there. And he didn't ask anybody for anything. And nobody was out any money because of him or because of the meetings he did. Now it's not that he didn't receive offerings from people. He just got through saying he did from these other churches. But he's talking about with them in this situation. Keep reading. He said, why? Because I don't love you? God knows. But what I do that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. There were individuals that had come in who were self-proclaimed ministers, self-proclaimed apostles. And Paul said, let them do what I did. Let them come in there and minister to you for two years and not get any money. Why? Because that separates the real <laughs> from the false. If it's the false, if the money ain't there, they're not going to be there. And in talking about how the enemy beguiled Eve, this is the very next thing he talks about, is the money. Keep reading. He said, and no marvel 
For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So when you see a movie and it's got this great big monster with horns who's the devil you know you're seeing something that's trying to fool you because that is not how he comes. How does he come? How does he come? The last thing he wants you to know is that it's him. That's the last thing he wants to happen. He will come as an angel of light. An angel of light. So when you think devil, what should you think to look for? (laughs) Something that's coming across like an angel of light. You think most people think that way? No. No. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Doctrines of devils that are mentioned in the scriptures are not just preached in Satanist churches. (laughs) No. The enemy quotes scriptures and he talks about God this and God that and he tries to pass himself off as an angel of light and those that are being influenced by him try to pass themselves off as men of God women of God and ministers of righteousness am I reading scriptures and some people say well that's why I stay away from the whole bunch (laughs) that's not a solution You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got this book. And you measure everything that anybody does. Me, whoever, by this word and by the witness that you get or don't get. In your own spirit. But you'll find the things that mark the faults is just that falseness, phoniness, and covetousness. They go hand in hand. Go to 1 Thessalonians. I think you're ready for it. 1 Thessalonians 2. I'm so excited about this. It's a sobering subject, I know, and it should be. But what I'm excited about is the results. (laughs) Because my bunch... You and Branson, and all our partners, we are not going to be taken by the devil's shiftiness. We're going to know enough to know the difference between what's really God and what's a bunch of junk. Come on, are you listening to me? I'm so excited about this. It's answer to prayer. It's answer to prayer. We're not going to get skeptical and... Um, you know, judgmental about everybody. We're not going to quit doing the things of God. We're just going to not get involved in stuff that's wrong. And stay in what's right. By His grace. Right? With His help. He's giving us things, showing us things, how to discern, how to identify. In First Thessalonians 2 and verse 5, notice this. 
2 and 5. Paul, by the Spirit of God, said this to them. He said, neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Everybody say that loud. Cloak of covetousness. What would that be? A cloak is something you cover up with. And what is being covered up? covetousness is cloaked are we learning about how the devil operates how does he operate I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and say something and we'll get back to it later the devil is the original con man he's the original think about what happened we just got through reading 2 Corinthians about what happened with Eve Did he sell her? And what did he sell her on? This, the fruit of this tree, look at it. Look at it. Look, how can anything that beautiful be bad? And when you eat this, and when you get this in you, you're going to be, your consciousness is going to be expanded. You are going to be God. You're going to know good and evil. You're going to know things you never knew. Does he care about her? Is he wanting to help her get something good? No, what's he doing? He convinced her that he's giving her helping. You know, she's getting something amazing. Was she getting anything amazing? No, what she was doing was losing everything. He couldn't come to her and tell her the truth. It would have sounded like this. Look. I'm a spiritual outcast. And the enemy of God. And I've lost everything. And I want you and his dominion on this earth. I want it. And I want you to serve me. (laughs) Yeah. How about it? never going to get anywhere with that would he that was the truth but he's a liar and the father of it how is he successful by conning her convincing her you want this you need this this is the opportunity of a lifetime this is going to change you into a being on another level. This, this is everything you're looking for and wanting and needing. And the truth is, he's robbing her of everything she's got. And he hasn't changed. He operates the very same way today. And those who yield to him operate the very same way. Whether it's a a wrong preacher or a guy on the sidewalk trying to sell you a watch. It's the same thing. It's the same spirit trying to con you. I want you to sit out loud again real strong. I am not, I am not ignorant, ignorant, ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan's devices. I want to read this to you from some other translations. He said in the Living Bible, he said, 
Never once did we try to win you with flattery. As you very well know, God knows we were not just pretending to be your friends so that you would give us money. The complete Jewish says, as you know, never did we employ flattering talk, nor did we put on a false front to mask greed. Complete English says, God himself knows what we did wasn't a cover-up for greed. A cover. The Living Bible says, never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Now, what we begin to get into is being a respecter of persons. And you'll see he mentions flattery. Does anybody know what flattery is? The big problem with flattery is that it's false. It's not genuine. I mean, we've kind of messed up the meaning of that word modern vernacular. People say, well, that, boy, that's very flattering. That, that looks flattering on you. That's not really the best word. The true meaning of flattery involves deception, lying. So we, we might want to make an adjustment there. But it's a falseness. It's somebody buttering you up. Not because they care about you or because they think you're smart or look good. They want something from you. And you know the reason why people keep doing it? It works. <laughs> it works. All too well. He was doing this with Eve. He's telling her how, you know, she's how smart she was and, and how she would be. And it appealed to her. And he conned her. And he stole from her. Go with me to James, the second chapter. Let's do it this way. James chapter 2. Let me give you a good example of covetousness under cover while you're going there. Do you remember when the woman came and brought the alabaster box of ointment and broke it and put it on Jesus' feet? In today's money, that could have been $20,000 worth. Twenty-five grand could have been thirty grand. Depends on currency and exchange and all that kind of stuff. But I suppose it was the most valuable thing she had. Her brother, who was in the tomb <laughs> not too long ago, yeah. is sitting at the table yeah. saying, pass the biscuits. <laughs> Jesus is there. They're having fellowship. They've seen some of the most amazing miracles. People never heard about some of the miracles they've seen. And she was moved in her heart. And she wants to express her love and her, her gratitude and, and how she values him. And, and she comes and just dumps it on his feet. And when she did, Jesus' own staff, led by none other than Judas Iscariot, began to say, ah, ah, what a waste, what a waste. This could have been sold for $20,000 and given to the poor. Everybody say, covetousness, covetousness. Undercover. undercover, 
Under cover of what? A phony care for the poor. And the Bible says Judas said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and was the one that carried the bag, that the money was in it. What's he upset about? If he'd have been truthful, what would he have said? Oh, no, no, no. You didn't sell it so we could put the money in the bag so I could get some. That was the truth. So what did he say? Ah, we could have done so much for the poor. (laughs) Wonder if that's still true today with some of the people that squawk like this and talk like this. What are they saying? Listen to the words they used. What a waste. Right. Wasted on Jesus. Totally wasted on the master. (laughs) Why? Because he valued $20,000 more than he did Jesus. He proved it. Not too many hours later when he went and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Covetousness. Now, uh, he said we didn't cover covetousness. And we didn't use any flattery. And we weren't out for what you had. In James, the second chapter, I want you to notice this. This goes right in line with this. James 2, verse 1. James 2, verse 1. Let's read this in the uh, New American, the NAS, if we have that. New American Standard. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. King James says, respect of persons. I think everybody pretty much has been to church over a couple of times knows you're not supposed to be a respecter of persons. But what is that? What does that look like? What does it sound like? What is being a respecter of persons? Keep reading. He explains it. He goes into detail. If a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, And you pay special attention. Everybody say, pay special attention. attention. You pay special attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothes. And you say, no, no, no. We got a seat for you on the front row. Right up here. Come on. But you say, you sit here in a good place. But you say to the poor man, you can just stand over there in the corner. We don't have a seat for you. Or you can sit down here by my feet. (laughs) By my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? You're judging and you got some evil motives. What would be the evil motives? Why would I treat a man or woman with expensive clothes and jewelry different? Why? I don't know them. They just walked in. They're a stranger. Why would I treat them different? (laughs) Where would the evil motive be? It would be in me or you or whoever treating them differently 
with a mind to think what you might get out of them. And this is specifically what the scripture got into in referring to what we all call respecter of persons. It means paying special attention to someone because of what you think they have or might do. Is that wrong? Is it evil? It's evil. And why would you do that? Because of covetousness, because you care about it too much. It means too much to you. That's why. That's the only reason you do it. Keep reading. (laughs) He said, listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those that love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you've been called? If, however, you're fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor. Neighbor means nearby, whoever happens to be beside you. If you're loving them as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, again, hook that with the rest of the context. You're treating people specially. Why? Because of what you think they have or might do for you. You're committing sin. Is that plain enough for us? And you're convicted by the law as transgressors. You're violating the law in your own heart, in your own conscience. It's it's just wrong, wrong, wrong. Now this is happening a lot (laughs) all over the place, isn't it? It is. I've been criticized personally more than one occasion. I've gotten ugly letters and things have got back to me. I don't mean once or twice. I don't mean 30 or 40 times. Over the years, a lot of times. Because I wouldn't spend one-on-one time with somebody. Or I didn't. I've had preachers just get spitting mad because I didn't have a meal with them. You know, they wanted to come see me and sit down and talk to me for three hours. And, and I didn't do it. I've had people, you know, like I said, many times, to say, why don't you have time for me? Well, in a church of any size, are you going to get to spend a lot of personal time with everybody? So if not, how do you pick and choose? How do you pick and choose who you do? Now, I reserve the right. And Phyllis reserves the right to be led by the Spirit. And we have many times. The Lord deal with you. I want you to do that. I want you to see them. I want you to go here. I want you to do that. And we do that. But if I don't do things the right way and with the right heart, I'd be a respecter of persons. And you'll find people that get upset. They don't realize what they're doing. But Romans 2 says if you judge somebody... You are guilty of the same thing. So they're judging me. That I'm too haughty. I'm too high and mighty. I think I'm too good to have time with them. But they don't want to just be treated like everybody else equally. What are they wanting? They want special attention. Why? Who are you? 
See, they're the ones that think they're special and require more than everybody else. We're about to have our fall social. That's one of the reasons we have it, is we have a time where we can just get out and see everybody that's there and treat everybody the same. Come on, are you listening to me? And we have an opportunity to fellowship and things like a celebration Sunday. But uh, the bottom line is we should be led by the Spirit and we should not be respecter of persons. And we've run into this any number of times. The people have got indignant because they said, don't you know who that is? <laughs> well, even though they may be somebody in their circle, it doesn't make them anybody with God necessarily. Does it? And some of the people that are so widely known can also be very disrespectful of God's things. And why should I show them preference when they show less respect for God than other people? Because of what? Because, well, don't you know they could write a check and give you a million dollars? So I'm supposed to treat them differently. <laughs> On the odd chance <laughs> that they might Sow some money. I'm not a big smoozer. If you hadn't figured that out yet. (laughs) I don't believe Jesus was. Now he was a friend of sinners. Right? But. He did not court people. Based on their position. Or their wealth. How many believe Jesus didn't do that? He never did that and wouldn't do it. What about you? (laughs) I was thinking more about you preaching. No, I'm thinking about you now. (laughs) You and I don't have different scriptures. Uh, How many believe James 2 applies just as much to everybody here as it does to me? I don't know at the times that people have uh, gotten perturbed with me because they didn't like my response. But they didn't know I was purposely reminding myself of these scriptures. I know this must have been, what, 20 years or so ago. This lady calls. And she told them she wants to give the ministry a million dollars. She said she wanted to talk to me. And so at that point, they did put her through to talk to me. And she said, I want to give you a million dollars. I said, great. Talking about the ministry, not me personally, the ministry. And uh, and she wanted to meet and wanted to do some things. And I said, no, no, I don't, I don't believe we should. She says, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, I think I did. She said, we need to talk about this, uh, this transaction and all. I said, sister, dear, it's real simple. Either the Lord dealt with you to do it or he didn't. If he did, you know, you ought to do it. If not, you shouldn't. She said, well, I, I, you know, I'm going to be at hotel such and such, and, and I want you and I to meet, you know, just you and I. And of course, Phyllis thought that was a bad idea. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I said, now, I'm telling you this, but this hadn't just happened one time. This kind of thing has happened numerous times where people said, not just women, but people said, we're going to give you money. We're going to give you big money. We're going to do this. We've got this big deal coming through. And, and when it does, you know, man, 
And uh, it actually perturbed her. She said, well, you don't sound very excited. Well, of course, fast forwarding it, she never sent any money. So somebody came tonight and they said, we're going to give the church a million dollars. And I don't know them. Should I get excited and jump up and down? Should I? The answer is no. No, I shouldn't. Why? I don't know them. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they got it. I don't know if they will do it. And even if they've got it and would do it, I don't know if I'm supposed to receive it or not. This is something that people just totally ignore and skip over. Somebody said, you've got to be kidding me. No way, preacher, that you wouldn't receive that million dollars. You don't know me then. Because I have not received other gifts before. And I know people who have, who wish they hadn't. So you're going to tell me that if the amount's big enough, you don't even need to pray. <laughs> huh? If the amount's big enough, ain't nothing to pray about. It's a million dollars, Brother Keith. It's a million dollars. <laughs> now, there are some people that I know. If they called me and told me that, I'd shout. I know them. I know who they are. I know they hear from God. I know they care about the things of God. I know they're not trying to buy something. But why should I jump up and shout up and down? I don't know them. And when people start saying, well, I need to sit down with you and we need to talk. and we No, you're going to obey God or not. Well, it's not that simple. It is that simple. We've sent million dollar checks numerous times and didn't call them and ask for anything. It just showed up. Now listen to me or not. No, you do not have to go through all these gyrations and try to act like you're a big thing. Try to get people to kowtow to you and court you. Now, one of the reasons this is going on, God would have you and I qualify to handle much more than we've ever qualified. But if we're going to do it, he's got to get us where we don't just go wacko if somebody mentions a big number. And lose our perspective and won't even pray or try to be led and treat people that don't even love God like they're something special because we think we might get something. It's wrong. I said it's wrong. I know of several churches. I'm thinking of individuals and I know of nonprofit organizations who received large donations. And three years later, they wished they never had. Because the people that gave it to them were crooks. Crooks. And the money they gave to them was not their money to give. And now there's this investigation, sometimes federal investigation. And you know what these guys will show up and say? They'll tell the pastors, you have to pay us that money now. And it was spent two years ago in the building fund. Now they got to come up with a million dollars. Now. That's why I say. Even if they have it. Even if they can do it. I'm supposed to pray. And check with the Lord. And hear from him. Because it doesn't just matter to him. That it happens. How it happens. 
is at least as important to him as that it happened. Who gets used? Because who gets used is who's going to get the reward. That's forever. These things matter. It's not just that it get done. With God, the means never, ever justify the end. Never. And there's a lot of shifty stuff going on. I'm not saying any of this because anything I've heard, I've had this in my heart for months and months. I just know what I know in my spirit. And the good thing about it, that's what we just got through talking about. There are things that God would do. But one of the biggest challenges is finding people he can trust. Did you know that? The truth about the matter is a whole lot of folks just don't qualify to handle big resources. You just mention a few numbers and they just lose all perspective. (laughs) They just get dollar signs in their eyes and. We had some folks with the first church that uh, some things that came about and they talked about sowing huge amounts into that church. And it was very first beginning days. We thought, whew, glory to God. All right. (laughs) But they wanted some things and they wanted this and they wanted that. We had no, no witness about giving them anything or doing anything. And these people had it. We knew they had it. They could do it. And uh, they asked for some things and asked for this. And we had no witness in our spirit that we're supposed to do that. How many know we have something special here? We got our own place. We're not underwritten by any denomination. It's not government. It's not a wealthy person. Come on, are you listening? We got freedom. This is special. And the Lord was doing that there at the church in Branson at that time. And finally, they said, well, you didn't do this and you didn't give this. And so one of them caught Phyllis one night and said, don't you understand? These people could take care of, of everything for you. And that's the wrong thing to say to us. We got one provider. No man, no woman will ever be my provider. Ever. I will never allow myself to look to any individual or any group to meet my needs. How about you? Come on, say it out loud. God is my source. My only source. Now, we know he uses people, but we're not ever going to get our eyes on people. And uh, Phyllis said, no. She said that very same thing. She said, God's our source. And of course, I guess some folks might not have liked that and we didn't hear from them again. But you know, I'm glad the way it worked out. Because over the course of the next months, at Branson there, we were believing for our paid and full, just like we did down here. This is years ago. And people are believing. And there were people who didn't have a place to live that over the course of the next year or so got a place to live and believe for $1,000 and sewed it into that thing. And over a course of time, it happened thousands of people sowed seed into that. And it's theirs. And where we're redoing the, uh, we moved to that new building. 
And we're remodeling the whole thing. A lot of things are going on. And I, I had been out on a trip and I came back in and I was walking through. Man, the place was, I mean, it was smoke and haze and the seats were, I mean, that was something to behold. What happened in that place? I mean, hundreds and hundreds of the church showed up and worked night and day. And God gave us, what, a million and a half in money to do the, the remodel. And it happened, what, in a month? Four weeks. Four weeks. It was miraculous. But I was walking around. I was telling this one, that this person was working on this seat. And I said, man, thank you for being in here and doing this. And I walked around the outside. And thank you all for working. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, quit doing that. I thought, what? He said, quit doing that. I don't mean to hear a voice, but inside me. Like he'll speak to any Christian if you learn how to listen. He said, you don't walk up in a man's yard where he's cutting his grass and tell him, thank you. For cutting the grass. It's his grass. He said this is not. Keith and Phyllis's church. That they get to come to. It's not anybody else. This is theirs. I've given it to them. They've believed me for it. This is. How many believe God cares about how something happens. Not just that it happens. But how it happens. And so the people there at Branson. They feel ownership because they've believed for that thing. They believe for a big chunk of yours. You happy about that? Don't be concerned. You're going to get a chance to believe for some things before it's over with. You already have been and you will. You will. How many of the Bible said freely you've received? So what? Freely. Freely give. But uh you'll see the difference in a faith response and a covetous response. Just because somebody mentions a big amount or a big offering or a big thing to you doesn't mean you should just go gaga and silly. First of all, who are they? Are they full of baloney? You don't know them. And even if they're the real deal and they can, that doesn't mean you're supposed to be involved with them. doesn't mean you're supposed to receive it. You're supposed to pray. Hear from him. And the only way you can get that way is if you get rid of the covetousness. Y'all with me, saints? You get it out of you. And you quit thinking that way. People talk about teaching their kids the value of a dollar. I'm going to tell you the value of the dollar. Hardly anything at all. (laughs) No. We don't want our kids to grow up Worshipping money. We don't want them to fall over their self. When somebody walks in that they think have some. We don't want them fawning over people. Because they think they might do something for them. Is that, would that be being a respecter of persons? I know a good friend of mine who has a large church. He and I were talking about some of these things. He said, he said, I've had some super wealthy people and I've had some celebrities. He said, and they're more trouble than any 500 people in the church put together. I always want something. I some special treatment, a special this, a special that, and the other. And a lot of times, no commitment, won't do anything. Just because you're something in the world, it doesn't make anything with God or anything in the kingdom. And just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean you have special privilege in the kingdom either. You can't buy the things of God. 
with money. Money can be a good servant, but it's an evil master and it's a lousy God. Go with me in closing, I think. But go to Genesis. Genesis, the 14th chapter. Now, you know, on the, uh, on the other hand, the other side of what we're talking about, how many know you shouldn't snub people because they are rich? That'd be the same thing, wouldn't it? We're supposed to treat everybody the same. Regardless, color, gender, age, education, background, wealth, lack of it, right? Does God love them? Every one of them. He does. And we don't, God doesn't look on the outside stuff. He looks at the heart. And that's what we should endeavor to do, to find out what kind of heart do they have. And the thing we should respect the most is somebody that loves him and respects him. And if they don't respect him and if they're disrespectful of him and even blasphemous, I don't care what they got or who they think they are. They're nothing in the kingdom. And they don't merit any special treatment. We got into it tonight, didn't we? (laughs) You think it's right or not? Did we read scriptures? In Genesis 14, I want to remind you of what the father of faith knew and saw and did when this kind of situation came up in his life. Genesis 14 is the story of how Abraham's kinfolks had been taken away by the enemy and an amazing heroic act of faith. He went after them with a a group of uh, not soldiers but servants and by the help of God got them back won the battle got them back not just them got all the people that had been taken hostage that had lived in the neighboring towns and in the 14th chapter of Genesis the Bible said verse 17 the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedor Laomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shavah which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. Nothing said about what he did for the king of Sodom. What if he is the king? Abraham cares about the things of God. So he's honoring God with his tithes. And in verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. Now we're talking about serious money. This is the wealth of more than one city, which were for the time big cities in their area. I guess by today's money, this would have been hundreds of millions of dollars. He said, you keep all the stuff, but you just, you know, let us have the people back in the city here. Verse 22, Abraham said, I need to pray about it. I need to pray about it. I mean, this is a lot of money. This is serious money here. And I could do a lot for God's things with this money. 
Do you know when things get complex and confusing? When you're considering things you shouldn't even be considering. As long as there's only one option. Like if you go to the restaurant. And on the menu it says beans and cornbread. And there's nothing else on the menu. How long do you labor over what we're going to have? Huh? Do I have the beans and cornbread or the... I'll take it. And when things get all complex and confusing, it's when you're considering things you shouldn't be considering. And Abraham didn't do that. Is he clear on what he believes and what he's going to do? Immediately, he answers the king of Sodom. I have lifted... So he's already... Well, when he took all this stuff, he's looking at it. What's he going to do with it? He's already got this settled before he got back to the house. He said, I lifted up my hand to the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Who should we be more impressed with? A billionaire or the creator of the universe? (laughs) People say, I've had people tell me, oh man, you ought to go over to that church. You know, they got a lot of rich people in there. I don't mean they're going to give you anything. And a whole lot of people are supposed to be rich people. Just got a big rich front. Nothing behind it. But besides all that, I shouldn't be making decisions based on that. And all the church says, amen. But how about you? Should you be making decisions just based on money? Never pray? Never check with the Lord? I've seen people leave a good church, go across the country, not even pray about it, just because they'd be making $5 more in an hour. No church for them to go to for the kids. And the last few years, their kids got healed, their marriage was restored, where they were at, and now they're going where they're getting no spiritual input and food. Not even pray about it. Why? That's $5 more in an hour. I don't have to pray about that. Yeah, you do. I don't care if it's 100000 more. I don't care if it's a million more. You should check with the head of the church, with the big boss. And if he tells you to stay, you best stay your little self right there. How many understand what Jesus said? Your life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. You could have tons of money and all kind of stuff and be miserable. There's a lot more to a good life than money and stuff. He said... I've lift up my hand to the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I will not take a thread, even a shoe latchet. I will not take anything that is yours. <laughs> no. Here's somebody who's got it, who has the right to do it, offering him, what, scores of millions? I don't know. Millions of dollars. And he says what? Nope. He says what? No. no. In fact, you cannot give me a shoelace. No. I am taking nothing from you. Now, if you read the rest of the story, did God make Abraham rich? Yes, Yes, he did. And time to come, we're going to talk about the way he did it, which will help you to see ways that are not God. When somebody tries to tell you God's going to do something this way, you'll go, whoa, whoa, wait up. Scripture says no. This is the way he does it. How many know there's a right way and there's a wrong way? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end's destruction. He said, I'm not going to take a shoelace from you. Lest you should say, I have made 
Abram rich. Now when it's God, friends, when it's really God, it's never going to come in a way that one individual does it all and gets all the credit. That's not how he does it. He is not interested in anybody being your provider. He's your provider. And he's going to use a lot of different things. And a lot of different people. Come on, are you listening to me, saints? That's the way he operates. And anybody that tells you, I'm your answer. I'm everything you need forever. Run. Run. I don't care if they're super multi-billionaire. Run. Because they can't take care of everything. How many understand? You can't buy peace of mind. You can't buy healing. You can't buy a good relationship. You can't buy a good family. You can't buy a good ministry. You can't buy a good church. These things you can't get with money. God doesn't just care that something happens. Does he care greatly how it happens? And it was the destiny of Abraham to be very rich. I'm quoting scriptures. Am I not? Very rich. Who made him very rich? God made him very rich. And it didn't involve the king of Sodom. And when it came up and it looks like here's a shortcut. Man, you can be mega wealthy right now. Just take it. He's offering it to you. Abraham said, no, 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 no. Not one thing from you will I receive. And he didn't. But that didn't mean his needs weren't met. He became very wealthy. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet. Let's lift up our hands. Lift up our hearts and our voices. Let's praise the Lord. Lord, we give you glory. We give you thanks. Tell him out loud. Tell him, that, Lord, you're my source. You, I have no other source but you. There are many channels, but only one source. Come on, lift your hands. Praise him out of your own voice, in your own words. Just tell him. Tell him that your eyes are on him. Oh, Lord, we're looking to you. Our, our heart and mind is on you. We're resting in you. We're trusting in you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.